Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. GameStop. GameStop. GameStop's stock. And of course, it's been a big week for my favorite store at the Staten Island Mall, GameStop. You know what all of this uh, GameStop news has made me realize? What's that? I don't know shit about the economy. <laughs> <laughs> you want to help me change that? <laughs> I would love to help you change that. <laughs> all right. Let's do it. The opening bell is about to ring on Wall Street. Stocks are set to open flat today. Millions of Americans are struggling to stay safe and fed and in their homes. And the country's GDP is shrinking more than in any year since just after World War II. Democrats would really like to do something bipartisan. They would like to get Republican support. But that's proving a little bit difficult right now. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today... I would describe myself as somebody who explains what policymakers are doing in the economy for people that don't necessarily understand what's going on with the economy or finance. So people like me. (laughs) (laughs) Victoria Guida answers the biggest questions about the coronavirus economy and what we can actually do to save it. How bad is the economy really right now? And like, how should we even be measuring it? Yeah, so that is a very good question and a very hard question to answer. The straightforward explanation is that it depends on what part of the economy you're talking about. This economy is in trouble, but the stock market, which has become the giant casino and the playground for the billionaires, just keeps spinning upward. You may have heard Joe Biden talk about the K-shaped recovery. The K means those at the top are seeing things go up, and those in the middle and below are seeing things go down and get worse. For some people in the economy, we've seen growth go back up. Like if you think about a graph, the top part of the K goes back up. And then the bottom part of the K goes down, which is for a lot of lower income Americans, where they are still seeing really massive unemployment, really struggling to to pay their bills. And so it really depends and, and, and sector by sector too, right? Because I mean, you know, the pandemic has hit, for example, like travel and hotels really hard. And then meanwhile, tech companies are, are doing well. So it kind of depends, but uh, it's it's definitely it's definitely struggling. And, um, you know, I, I, I would characterize this as an economic crisis, even though parts of the economy don't feel at all like they're in crisis. So it's like a question of how big the K becomes, or if it just becomes a totally another shape. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes, exactly. And don't get economists talking about that sort of thing, because they'll, they'll, <laughs> they'll have all of these letter suggestions. Some people talk about a Nike swoosh. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> so the way I understand it, there's sort of like, three things that could do something to change this or like help the economy right now. Um, Congress, uh, the Treasury and the central bank. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And and those are all kind of, uh, you know, like overlapping pieces. Um, but yes. OK, so let's talk about all of those, those tools that can change the shape of the economy. Um, let's maybe start with the Fed, because I feel like we hear about the Fed, the central bank, a lot less than what's going on in Congress right now. How can the central bank save the economy? And what are they doing right now to try to do that? 
So um, the Fed right now has set its its main policy rate, which affects other interest rates, uh, near zero. The Federal Reserve leaving rates unchanged at zero to a quarter percent and continuing to project or forecast zero rates through 2023. Basically, that's a stimulative measure because they want to make it as cheap as possible for people to borrow money because, um, you know, of, of the state we're in right now. So many people and businesses need to borrow money to kind of get through this period. And they're also buying up a bunch of U.S. government debt. There are a couple effects of that. One is that it keeps some longer term interest rates down as well. Also, they're scooping up a bunch of the U.S. government debt that's just kind of out there, uh, which is kind of making it easier for the government to, to borrow more money. Now that they would they would never say that's why they're doing it, but it does have that effect. Interesting. So the federal government might be going into debt to do some stimulus measures that cost a lot of money, but then the central bank comes in for the save and, and buys up that debt. Right, exactly. Okay. What about the Treasury Department? Where do they fit into all this? A lot of what the Treasury can do is um, is enhanced by what Congress does, because if Congress passes a bunch of money for a bunch of different programs, right, like grant programs for for housing, for business assistance, they can basically try and design those programs in a way that will give it the most bang for the buck, right? So they're, they're kind of where the rubber meets the road after Congress says, okay, here you go, here's, here's all of the money, then within the confines of, of that law, Treasury is one of the big players in terms of making sure that that money is spent in a way that, that helps the economy most efficiently. So they're kind of like the logistics guy if, if Congress is the big ideas guy. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, then let's let's talk big ideas here. Um, Congress right now is negotiating more coronavirus relief, more stimulus measures to try to help the economy. What is it that they're considering doing? So um, there's a massive package that President Biden has suggested. It's almost $2 trillion um, on top of the $900 billion package that we got in December. The American Rescue Plan that will tackle the pandemic and get direct financial assistance and relief to Americans who need it the most. And, you know, it's it's things for health care, for, for the further vaccination. Um, there's some aid for state and local governments. There's um, more direct checks. The $600 already appropriated is simply not enough. You just have to choose between paying rent and putting food on the table. Um, there's unemployment benefits. There's housing. It runs the gamut on on hitting all of the areas that are um, sort of most key for, for someone that is teetering on the edge financially. The consensus among leading economists is we simply cannot afford not to do what I'm proposing. As someone who's talking to economists about all of this and knows the economy a lot better than I do, how does this bill or what they're considering doing like stack up with what would actually save the economy? Like in a total vacuum, politics aside, no Republicans, no Democrats, what would you say would be the best thing to help everybody who's struggling right now? What you want to do when people are hurting economically is 
spend money where people are hurting, right? It just it just kind of makes sense that, um, you know, if if people don't have enough money to pay for food, don't have enough money to pay for housing. And then the the direct checks is kind of like a it's kind of like a catch all of, you know, let's just get the money to people and they can spend it however they like. Um, so I mean, there's there's a there's a ton of different ways to calibrate it. But basically, what you want to do is, if you're going to spend money, it's more efficient if you just spend it either directly getting it to the people who need it or directly spending it on the things where it needs to be spent. Okay, so the plan Biden and Democrats are pushing does include some of that direct money. Like you said, $1,400 checks in the pockets of people who might be hurting right now. On the other end, there are Republicans who don't like that price tag on Biden's proposal and are calling for something a lot smaller, um, more targeted, they'd say, with less money for individuals. In the end, how much of a difference will the price tag on something like this make? Like, is there a big difference for how saved the economy would be if we spent, say, a few hundred billion dollars as opposed to more than a trillion dollars? It's a it's a great question. And I think that's something that that lawmakers are currently grappling with right now, because, you know, if you remember after the 2008 financial crisis, there was a there was an 800 billion dollar stimulus. The American Recovery and Reinvestment Act that I will sign today is the most sweeping economic recovery package in our history. And that was basically it. And then Republicans and even the Obama administration kind of like shifted into austerity mode where they basically started worrying about the debt and deficit. Democrats have to accept some painful spending cuts that hurt some of our constituencies and we may not like. And we've shown a willingness to do that for the greater good. You know, what resulted from that was a very long economic expansion, but a very weak economic expansion where growth was, you know, from year to year, pretty, pretty low. And so, um, you know, it seems like there's there's some some consensus that last time around Congress was too cautious and the results were very real and very bad for all of these people who were unemployed for years, right? Because the economy wasn't doing as well as it could have been. And so I think that this time around, there will be more impetus to want to try and, and, and go harder, continue going harder, and not just assume that one package is enough. Um, in terms of the exact number, the only real danger that you might worry about would be leading to inflation by like, you know, spending too much money um, in, a, in, a, in a place of the economy that doesn't need it. Mm -hmm. But I will say that I actually asked the, the Fed chair whether lawmakers should be worried about, for example, direct checks, more direct checks to people leading to inflation. And he basically said, no, we, we, should, we should be worrying about the opposite, right? We should be worried about not doing enough um, because we haven't seen inflation in any real way in, in decades. Victoria Guida. I guess we never got to uh, what the hell is going on with GameStop. <laughs> but, but thanks so much for talking with me, for teaching me. All right. Thank you. <laughs> also today, 
Secretary of State Antony Blinken is condemning Russia's treatment of protesters seeking the release of Kremlin critic Alexei Navalny. On Sunday, thousands of Russians were arrested during mass protests against Navalny's incarceration. In a tweet, Blinken criticized the use of, quote, harsh tactics against peaceful protesters and journalists and renewed calls for the country to release people detained for, quote, exercising their human rights, including Navalny. Blinken's statements reflect a distinct shift in tone from a much more hands-off U.S. policy toward President Vladimir Putin and Russia during the Trump years. Russia, for its part, has downplayed the condemnations and accused the U.S. of interfering in Russia's internal affairs. And... A new CDC order requiring travelers and commuters using public transportation to wear face masks will go into effect later today. As part of a sweeping set of guidance issued on Friday, the agency said passengers will be required to wear face coverings while, quote, boarding, disembarking, and for the duration of travel on planes, buses, subways, trains, ferries, and rideshare vehicles. The rule, which takes effect at 11.59 p.m., goes further than an executive order signed by President Joe Biden last week that required face masks to be worn on federal properties and during interstate travel. The agency says that while it, quote, reserves the right to enforce the order through criminal penalties, it will be relying on an honor system practiced by passengers. Subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, check out some of our other shows like Politico Energy, Nerdcast, Pulse Check, and The Playbook Audio Briefing. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.